Please turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Um, what happens if you have a bad computer? Lots of bad things. Lots of bad things. So, so what are you thinking about? Like, what are you thinking about? A bad computer. Uh, why? Why is it so bad to have a bad computer? Well, bad computers, if they don't work right, and I, I realize that it's really funny for me to talk about this because I don't understand how computers work at all. You know, uh, I, I could hit the on button. Sometimes even that's hard to figure out. And then it magically appears and uh, does all kinds of things inside of it that I don't know about. But, but I know this, that bad computers send bad messages. And if they send bad messages to wherever they send bad messages or no messages at all, uh, things aren't going to work out so well. Well, why does that matter? Well, you're going to have bad outcomes. Did you know this? Some of you know this. All of you probably know this. That your, com- that your cars have at least one computer, some of them two or three. If you got fancy ones, um, they'll help you even think and stuff like that. Uh, there's computer. Well, what, what happens when your computer and your car doesn't work right? Uh, your car doesn't work right. Uh, and you won't pass smog. Um, not that I know anything about that personally. Um, computers in your cars. Uh, did you know there are computers that control your money? Uh, the money in the bank that you have. Some of you don't have any real money. It's just electronic money. Hope they don't turn the power off on us. Um, how about our utilities? Uh, we have smart meters and um, all kinds of things going on. Uh, and your phones. I, I wanted to say there's computers in your phones, but that's not really accurate. Your computer, your phones are computers, right? Uh, and they're talking to one another and without you knowing it and so on and so forth. They're listening to you. That, that shouldn't freak you out as much as it should encourage you that somebody is listening to you. It's not that encouraging. I just chose to make a joke. Um, so you have your Bibles, uh, your Bibles on your device, your, um, and uh, you know I, I've told you about this before. Make sure you have a paper copy. I don't mind that you use it. Make sure you have a paper copy, um, just in case. Today uh, we're going to kind of look at one of these bad computers. And really the most important one as it comes to me and you. And so um, in Romans chapter 1, this is where we're in our study. Uh, we're going to look at the last part of this chapter. I want to just review as we get into it. First of all, uh, we have looked at, uh, let me read God's word and then, then we'll get to that. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you <laughs> from verse 18 once again. We looked at this the last few weeks. God's word says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, uh, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely uh, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, 
so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, uh, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up uh, in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies uh, among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged the natural relations uh, for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up the natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind uh, to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy and murder and strife and deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. God, thank you for your word. Help us now as we look at it, we pray. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, as we look at this, we start off with a review, and I just want to remind you that it starts out this passage, this section in verse 18, with the wrath of God. And it's good for us to remember that God is a God of wrath, um, and that he is angry. He is angry today. And you say, well, why should God be angry? And you treat him like uh, your two-year-old, and you try to talk him out of his anger. But his appropriate righteous anger um, is, is on individuals and really this world system. Why is God angry? As you look at this passage, you can say it very simply by this. God is angry because you've rejected or we've rejected or they rejected his gospel. I want you to think about that. Why is God angry? Because Mankind, individuals, this world system has rejected his gospel. And you say, well, what's the big deal? Well, it's his gospel. Well, what's a gospel? A gospel is his good news. It's, and, and you can say it, it's his gospel, but you can also say it's his plan. As you look at uh, creation And as you look at the history in the Bible and the things that God tells us, both about mankind and what's going on, then you see Jesus coming and you realize that the Father sent his Son. This was his plan. It's his plan, but it can also be said it's his good news. 
And so why is God angry? Well, you've rejected his gospel. We've rejected his gospel or individuals have. We've rejected his plan. And I need to say it very personally. People who this is true of, this rejection of God, they've rejected his crucified son. His crucified son. As as you look at the story of Jesus, it's all about God loving us so much that he sent his son. And mankind says in their rejection of God, his gospel, his plan, I don't want him. I don't want Jesus. So it's a rejection, and that's why God's angry. Um, It's only appropriate. He sent his son. He gave his son on the cross, and mankind has said, I don't need him. I don't want him. So as we look at this passage, just reviewing, God's angry. Why is he angry? Because he revealed himself plain to see for all in creation. Everyone knows about God. And men have rejected him. The plain to see God is rejected by men. And what did they do? Uh, They exchanged God for something that's not God. Uh, I want you to hear that over and over again. They exchanged the true God for something that's not a true God. Uh, Whether it's a made-up image of some kind of animal, whether it's themselves or others, they've given up the true God for something that's not God. And then last for the previous uh, introduction, God gave them up. God gave them up. We see it three times in this section. God gave them up. God gave them up. God gave them up. And what does that mean, gave uh, them up? He said, as you've rejected my answer, my gospel, my son Jesus, I will leave you. I will give you up to your own devices. You're on your own. You're on your own. Last week we saw that God gave them up because they rejected his son. And also God gives them up to sexual sin and specifically the sin of homosexuality. Did I say it clear enough? The sin of homosexuality. And I just want to remind you as God's people, I just want to remind you, as you interact with people that are involved in all kinds of different sexual sins, but in our culture, you're going to see the sin of homosexuality. I want to remind you, have compassion on them. Look, last week, and we talked about they're made in the image and likeness of God. And even beyond that, even beyond that, know this. That life must be very scary for them. And you say, well, it doesn't seem like it. Well, they're putting on a show. Life must be very scary for them. And you say, why do you say scary? They've been given up. They've been given up. They've been given up by their own rejection. They've been given up to their own devices. And I just, I just want you to remember, it's not working out very good for them. There's an emptiness in their soul. There's a hurt in their heart that unless they repent of, uh, it's going to be their whole life and not just their whole life. They'll be paying for it for eternity.
Well, today we're going to look at the last one. I thought I was going to get to it last week, but I didn't. Not my fault. Uh, Today, God is giving them up to their own mind, to their own mind. Um, And so let's look at this. God gives them up to their own mind. And I struggle with this idea of them, them, because who is them? Who is them? Them is us. And it's not just us. Sometimes... uh, some of you are very bold in a group. You're very bold in a group. Or you're very bold behind your screen on your computer. You say some, you know, you got some things to say. And you want the world to know. Um, but, but the idea here is this. That this is every single person apart from Jesus. Every single person. And when it says God gave them up. It could say God gave Kevin up. Insert your own name. And this idea that that personally, as we reject Jesus, there are times and even uh, ultimately that God would give up people because of their rejection of his gospel. So let's look at that this morning. Verse 28, uh, we first look at a bad mind, a bad mind. Trying to keep it simple. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday and some of you are really gearing up for whoever's playing. Um, I'm voting for the Oakland Raiders. Are they playing today? I know they're in Las Vegas. I just said that for... Some of you don't know they're in Las Vegas. You're with me. Okay, anyways. Um, Raider Nation. Anyways. Um, scripture. Very good. Yeah. Verse 28, a bad mind. I want to keep it simple this morning, but I want you to hear it clearly because I think it's so important. I, I think this is an incredible piece of God's word for us to know, a, a doctrine, a teaching that we need to replace our own dumb thinking with the truth of God's word. And this is a a huge piece this morning that we're going to look at. Verse 28 talks about a bad mind. It says this, it goes on, and as I said before, it says three times he gave them up. He gave them up, uh, as you you, you consider this, he, he talks in generalities that he gave them up because of rejection. Last week we looked at he gave, gave them up to homosexuality because of uh, the, their rejection. He gives them up to their own desires and their own desires lead them uh, to s- sexual sin. And, and verse 28, it, it gives us a more general what it's going to look like when you're given up. Verse 28 says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, that's that same rejection. They they didn't see fit. And and follow this in your mind. Follow this in your mind and and your heart, what this looks like. I want to say it this way. They did the math. They looked at God and what they knew of him and they said, I see who God is to some degree. I know him generally who he is. I've seen him in creation, but I don't want him. I don't want him. I looked at what he had to offer and I kind of calculated in my mind the worth of the God of the universe. 
And I, I did the math on what it would look like if I didn't follow him, whether I let, you know, could do it on my own. I did the math and I made my choice. I didn't see fit after I'd done the math and I'd, I'd pros and cons and all that stuff. I, I realized that I didn't need God. And so they reject him. And I want to tell you that some of you are doing that in smaller ways here today. There's areas in your life where you're saying, God, I know what you say. I know what you want. But I have got a better idea. I'm creative. I make my own path. You know, I'm an individual. You're telling the God who created you who you are. That's really funny. How you do that? Um, they did not see fit, and so what happened when they did not see fit? They they should have acknowledged God. What what should they have done? And I, I want to bring some things up here. Um, Thanksgiving is what they should have done. When you know who God is, even in a small sense, Thanksgiving should flow. Worship should come. His kindness should show his grace to you. It's going to talk about that in chapter 2. His kindness should be so overwhelming to you that it humbles you. It humbles you. But in foolishness, we're going to get to that in a bit, but in foolishness, it already said foolish, but it's going to say foolish again. In foolishness, we say, "Ah, I got my own idea. I want to tell you, you should fear your ideas. You should. You should always be asking, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And you should be doing what you think God wants you to do. In counseling, I ask this all the time. If you've got a big decision coming, coming up or, you know, a medical thing, career thing, raising your kids, choosing a spouse, all these things, ask the simple question, what does God want you to do? Maybe even a, another simple question. What does God not want you to do? <laughs> what does God have for your life? But, but, but I want you to get this. This is so important. This is filled in this, this passage over and over again. It's this idea that says God has something for you. He has a plan for you. He has his gospel for you. He has his son Jesus for you. And you say, no, no I got a better idea. They did not see fit, and so what it says that God gave them up. Gave them up. Verse 28, once again. Did not see fit to acknowledge God. What is acknowledging God? They should have worshipped, listened. They should have thanked him. They should have been in awe of his grace to them. Uh, It says that God gave them up to a debased mind. To a debased mind. Um. They did not see fit. God gave them up. What did he give them up to? A debased mind. In other translations, it says depraved mind or a reprobate mind. And the picture here is this. That word um, is the idea of a metal or a coin or something. And if you can picture the one making the coins... And, and he looks at him, and he's, he's in, inspecting each one, and he realizes these coins or this valuable metal is made for something. It's needed, and maybe uh, it's made for value. And he looks at one, and he says, oh, this one doesn't cut it. 
This one doesn't cut it. It's unacceptable. I, I reject this coin. This coin is not genuine. In, in ancient culture, uh, you, you think about how they would have done um, commerce. They would have went to the place or they would have went to someone's house and they would have said, hey, uh, I want to buy that or I want to sell you this grain or whatever. And they would have exchanged the grain for some kind of coin. And so the idea of counterfeit or the idea of making something heavier or whatever, it was kind of on the honor system. But there was always an idea that you didn't want to be taken advantage of. You wanted something of value. And so the picture here is this, this word for debased mind or depraved mind or reprobate mind. What it is, it's that it's unacceptable. It's a coin that's not genuine. It's silver that isn't pure. So much so, and this is, this is the hard part, it was thrown out. It was deemed worthless. What was deemed worthless? Look at the passage. Depraved, debased, reprobate. What's worthless here in this passage? Your mind. Your mind is worthless. I'm leaving you to sit with that for a moment. Most of us think we're really smart. I can figure it out. You know, I've got some ideas of my own. No one's ever thought of this before, what I'm going to tell you right now. You know, uh, when no one's ever thought of something that you've thought of, you know what that shows? It's wrong. Because <laughs> it, there's nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes. Um, I want you to get this picture here that your mind is a bad computer. My mind is a bad computer. Apart from Jesus, we are depraved, reprobate, debased. Our mind doesn't work well. You think about it. Um, what if um, you were driving your car and your computer was 20% off? Your steering was 20% off, right? You know, uh, when you accelerated, it went 20% faster or 20% slower. What would happen? You say, oh, I could, I could adjust. Not if you didn't know when it was going to happen. <laughs> it would mess up everything. I want to tell you, it's not a 20% problem, by the way. When you look at this word, the, the picture here is worthless, unacceptable, Good for nothing. Yikes. And what is that? Their mind. Who is there? Them. Who are them? Them is us apart from Jesus. I want us to get it. It's so important. We have a bad computer. I want to take a step back for just a moment. Um, This is such an important concept that we're sharing this morning. It's such an important concept because you're going to run into people or you're going to hear about people. You're going to read about people that you cannot believe the wickedness they have done. You cannot believe it. it. It may be politicians. It may be the wealthy. It may be just someone that comes up in your neighborhood. It may... 
be murderous or uh, having to do with children and you, you, you look at them and you say, what is wrong with them? I can't believe it. What is wrong with them? And, and you might go this way in their mind. It says, you might say, they're not even human. It's like they're not even human. I've heard people recently talk about, oh, you know, they, they must be like uh, part human, part animal. Or they might be some kind of alien form or something like that. It can't be human. And I want you to look to the scriptures. What does it say? Why do people do wicked things? Why? Because of the mind. And what is the mind? The mind is worthless. It's, it will not make bad decisions. Or it will make bad decisions. This is what's going to go on. Bad mind brings bad actions. And, and it, if your mind is worthless apart from Jesus, what's going to come out of a life that's controlled by a bad mind? Now, some of you are arguing with me right now in your mind. So why uh, can wicked people do good things? Why? Think back to the last couple of weeks. What have I mentioned about the creation of all mankind made in the image and likeness of God? There is a residual, I don't know if you'd say resemblance, or uh, there's a residual character of each man and woman that they can still do good things. Why? Because they've been made in the image and likeness of God. But know this, that their mind can also lead them to do Incredible wickedness beyond what we can imagine. What is wrong with them? One more question. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? The thoughts that I have, the things that I've said, the actions that I've done, the sins that I can't get rid of. What's wrong with me? I want to tell you, I'll explain it to you very simply. It's a bad mind. It's a bad mind. And apart from Christ, you are stuck with that bad mind. Apart from Christ and your rejection of the gospel, there's this, there's this thing where God says, go ahead. I'll, I'll leave you with that mind. I don't want to. I, I sent my son. You're on your own. The bad computer is now controlling things. And uh, it goes over and over in this passage talking about these shameful, shameful acts. And in this verse, verse 28, it says, um, given up to a debased mind to do what? To what ought not to be done. We'll, get, we'll see it again, but the, the things of sin ought not to be done. And they are done. They are done. Connected to the bad computer of the mind, the debased mind, or or the uh, depraved mind. What will happen is things that ought not to be done. And I I know in our culture, we're going to talk about it in a moment too, but this idea of sin is fun. Dude, I got so wasted last night. I got drunk the other day and it was so funny. I'm going to go home and get drunk. 
That's a simple example, a clear example. Do you get it? That ought not to be done. But, but in our minds, sometimes we think, well, I'm a, I'm a funny sinner. I'm wild. I'm crazy. You know, I, I do my own thing. I want to tell you, those things ought not to be done. Why? Because of God, the God who made himself clear. So we first see a bad mind that leads to bad actions, and that's where we are in verse 29, bad actions. Verse 29 says this, and this, this is what I mentioned last week, I read over, but listen to this. This is quite a list. They are filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, uh, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. That's quite a list. It's a list of actions or at least thoughts that lead to actions. I want you to get this because I think it's important. Uh, What do you see in verse 28? It says, they are filled. And then once again, a couple, uh, the next sentence, they are full, filled and full. What does that mean? It's all the way up, right? A full glass of milk. I'm eating and I'm filled to the brim. What I want you to get is this. That God offered his son Jesus. Jesus was rejected by all of mankind who have rejected God's plan. And so they didn't want any of Jesus... So what are they now filled and full of? The sins that came from their debased mind. It's not that they couldn't sin more, because we can always sin more, but all that is in them is coming out in their actions. It can be said like this, they are full of life without Jesus. Full of life without Jesus. And what I want to tell you is that full life without Jesus is awful. Is awful. And you know that, right? We could, we could give testimonies here, right? Of living life without Jesus, how that went for us, and the scars that we've had, and the decisions that we made, and the people that we hurt, and the selfishness that took over. We could talk about that, couldn't we? Do you want a full life without Jesus? Well... What does that look like? The the first part of the list, this is what it looks like. Unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. is general pictures of what drives us from our heart. Coveting and the the idea of malice is kind of this um, umbrella term for wickedness. He's going to use a similar one in the next... uh, sentence to tie up you look at this and and it's just sin after sin after sin they are full of envy murder now you look at this and i shared with you last week that you know there's a feeling of wanting to kill people there's a there's a rage inside of us it's not from jesus okay 
you're ever wondering, it's not from Jesus, okay? But you say, well, how does someone become a murderer? Like, I don't get it. I want to tell you, it goes back to the computer of the mind that's apart from Jesus, that didn't want Jesus, so it's full of its own, own thoughts. Sinful man filled with their own sinful thoughts in time and not repenting leads to murder, leads to sexual sin, leads to homosexuality, leads to all kinds of different godless acts, unrighteous acts. At the end of verse 29, it says they're gossips. And what is, what is gossip? Gossip is talking trash about people when they're not around. They would have written that in the scripture, just, you know, economy of words, talking trash about people. And you say, well, what's the big deal? The big deal is that that ought not to be done. It's a small form or acceptable form of sin. You say, well, I didn't kill anybody. You just killed their reputation. You just killed them without them being there. You're seeking them harm. It goes on to say in verse 30, haters of God. Haters of God. It's talking about that relationship. And what is the relationship that we should have with God? Thanksgiving. Rejoicing, humble. But what has happened? We've rejected God. So what happens? Now we're in a hate relationship with him. And I want to tell you, I want you to get this. People who hate God know this, that God is angry with them. God is angry with them. God's not neutral about the rejecters of God. They hate him. They're in a hate relationship with him. And so his anger burns against them. And as they would repent, guess what happens? Now it becomes a love relationship with them. His anger is not one that is uh, the idea that, um, how should I say this? That, That there's no way it can be repaired. There can with repentance. But know this, that uh, God in his love for them, he, he will not allow them to reject him and not pay the consequences of their bad mind leading to bad actions. You look at this and you see just, man, this is a heart of a criminal. Yeah, that's the one we had apart from Jesus. It also says disobedient to parents. Disobedient to parents. I realize most of the kids are out of here right now. Some of you are going to go preach to your kids. You know, you should have been in the service. I hope Caleb's saying something to them there now too. Uh, Disobedient to parents. I want to tell you it's not just a culture. It's not just a phase. Disobedient to parents is a rejection of God's plan for them. And you need to explain this to your kids and grandparents. I would encourage you to explain it to your grandkids. I know your mom and dad are crazy. I raised them. I was there. Sorry I didn't do a better job. But know this, that God has placed your parents over you as part of his plan for your protection. 
The better relationship, the more obedient relationship you have with your parents is the better relationship you're going to have with God. And to reject your parents right now is to reject God and his place that he has put your parents over you. Disobedient to parents is evil. And then it ends up with faithless, heartless, heartless, ruthless. Once again, I'd say it this way. that We'll look at people and we'll say, doesn't seem human. How could anybody do that? It seems like they're an animal. Maybe they are. Maybe they're some kind of alien. I want to tell you, at that moment, I think you're confused with the depths of our depravity. You, you, you haven't gotten it. You haven't gotten it, how wicked we can become. You haven't gotten it. And I want to tell you, it's not just about them. It's about you. Which leads us to verse 32. And forgive me, I didn't have a better word for this. I would say bad discipleship. Bad discipleship. What does that mean? Well, it says, Though they knew God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So God's righteous decree, what is that? The clear to see God is known. And, and, and what's, what's funny about that, like you say, well, maybe some of you here and maybe some of the people you're going to talk to, they say, well, I don't know anything about God. I'd say, oh, you don't? You know enough that's clear, right? And you say, well, I don't know exactly what he wants. You don't, okay. Um, do, do you think murder is wrong? Oh, yeah. Why? Uh, it seems like it would be wrong. Right. Do you think God wants you to kill people, his creation? Oh, no. You do understand his righteous decrees then, don't you? You, you know, for, for most of us, even if we're unfamiliar with the Bible, we have a sense of what God wants of us. We have a sense of right and wrong. We have a sense of what, what is the action that God would approve of and the actions he would disapprove of. We understand his righteous decrees. It's clear to us. God is clear to us, but it's also clear, for the most part, what we should and shouldn't do. And we also know uh, that about his anger, too, that even as he speaks of this, he says, you know God's righteous decree and that those who practice such things, what such things? The things spoken of already, right? You can figure it out. You can look at this list and go, I was shocked that, you know, said that gossiping is wrong. Who would have thunk it? (laughs) Disobedient to parents? I thought God loved when parents were disobeyed. Did you really? Oh, no, I really didn't. These things that are, we realize them, we know them, we realize who practice such things, what it, that there is a punishment to them, that they deserve to die, that there is um, a righteous response that God would have to this. It says this of these ones. It says not only uh, do they do them, but the bigger issue, even beyond that, is they give approval to those who practice them. 
They know that they're, they know who God is and who his character is to some degree. They also know what he uh, desires, his righteous decrees. They also know that there is punishment. They know that when you play dumb games, you're going to win dumb prizes. They also know that they're a sinner. They feel the guilt. And what do they do? Sinners love to disciple other sinners, right? To raise other sinners. It's it's interesting, and and many of you have been part of this wicked food chain, especially, uh, I think, of our young people, but it's not just young people. Did anybody ever disciple you in sin? Yes. You know, there's that that, that one and says, hey, you know, Want to go get drunk? I've never been drunk before. Well, I can help you. I can help you. You know, watch this. You know, I've never watched something like this. Come over to my house. We'll watch it. I've never experienced this. Let me show you how. There's this discipleship. And, and, And a guilty person, a guilty person wants to disciple other people to be guilty as well and then reassure them that there's nothing to be guilty of. This is the, the uh, food chain of sin here, right? You look at this, and can you think of any examples in your own life or in our culture today? I, I don't want to harp on this, because I, I don't think it's the only issue, but it's in this passage, but uh, gay pride parades. Not a classic example. It's a glaring example. We're proud. You should come. You should be a part. I want to tell you, don't just get stuck there. Don't get get stuck there because it's everywhere. Some of us are doing it. We, We don't like who we are before the Lord, and so we want to gather together sinners just like us. It's funny how sinners find other sinners or find other sinners to be sinful with. I think also, I think of like um, philosophies or even political conventions. The idea of gathering together and slapping each other on the back and saying, hey, we're the smart ones. We've got it all under control. Be like us. Well, what if there's someone there that's not a good person? And you say, oh, it's okay. They're one of us. (laughs) Slap them on the back. It's all good here. They give approval to those who practice these sinful things. Like and subscribe, right? You see something and these people agree with you, agree with the sin that you're doing and they say, like and subscribe down at the bottom. And you're like, yeah, we're the same. Click, click. We're part of it. I want to end up our time in in talking about these implications. I have three of them for you this morning. The the first one is very simple. Accept Jesus. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And when I say as your Lord and Savior, because that's who he is. Because that's who he is. We don't get to make up our own Jesus. We don't get to decide what the gospel is. We don't 
get to tell God what his plan should be for redemption for sinful mankind. We accept Jesus as spoken of in the scripture because we know, we know we can't make it on our own. We cannot make it on our own. We hear the message, we accept the message, the person of Jesus Christ. Secondly, and this is kind of, if you didn't like number one, how about number two? Fear your own heart without Jesus. Fear your own heart without Jesus. Back to counseling. Um, one of the questions I ask, um, and I didn't, I didn't make this up. I heard it from somebody else. I can't remember who. But when people uh, say something, uh, they say, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I always say, who thinks that's a good idea? And, and it's interesting because sometimes they, they'll have a good answer. They'll say, well, uh, my parents think or uh, my friends think or, you know, I, I, you know, I watch TV and I heard it from somebody on TV. I got this blog, heard this podcast. And they thought it was a great idea. What does God think? What does God think? Because if you're left with your own mind and the minds of others, that's a terrible spot for you. You should fear that. You should fear it. That you're doing the thinking for you. (laughs) That you're not listening to God. Fear your own heart, your own mind without Jesus. And lastly, I'd say this. Be, Be honest about Jesus to the rejectors you know. You probably have rejectors in your family. You probably have people in your life. They might be your kids. They might be, uh, you know. And, and as you hear them rejecting God, I'm going to do my own thing. I, I've got this great idea. Be honest with them. You don't have to work it out for them. You don't have to twist their arm. But be honest with them. How do you be honest with them? With compassion in your heart and a smile on your face, you say to them, You need Jesus. You need Jesus. And when I say you need Jesus, I'm not just saying that. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that I need Jesus. I need Jesus Christ. He was a real man. He, He came to this earth to save sinners. And I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. You need Jesus. He's the only way. You can say you need Jesus and you can tell them also, this isn't gonna work out good for you. This isn't going to work out good now, but this isn't going to work out for eternity, you rejecting Jesus. You can, you can uh, be honest with them and say to them, uh, your mind will lead you to awful places. Your, your, your choices that you're making are going to lead you to awful places, and I don't want you to go there. And lastly, you can say to them, if they continue to reject, you should tie up that conversation in honesty and saying, I'm going to pray for you because I think it's a really dangerous spot you're in. Talk to God and that he would work in your heart. You come to your senses while you can. We should be honest about Jesus with those who are rejecting.
God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this day that we could come gather in your name. And Lord, I just ask that you would help us with understanding uh, the depths of our own depravity apart from your work. And uh, as we look at the sinful world and the people all around us, that we would not be um, shocked at how wicked they are, but that we would see that, that we would see that as life without Jesus and encourage us to draw near to you. God, give us a good testimony and witness. Help us to have words to share with others. God, we thank you for this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.